show by fans for fans. My name's Eric Morrow, Seattle Mariners baseball, everybody. Let's get started. That smile is back on Junior's face. Line drive, base hit to win it. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Whatever the situation, it's Casuals Corner, the show by fans, for fans. Seattle Mariners baseball, it's offseason. We've been talking some football, too. I'm here tonight with our my co-host, Tyler Matsumoto. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm doing good, my friends. The ice and snow has melted in western Washington, and we are just a few weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Uh, when I say co-hosts, I mean, there's two of them here. Robert Griffin, how are you tonight, buddy? Rule number three, never trust nobody. Your mom will set your ass up properly gassed up. Hoodied and masked up for that fast buck. Should be laying in the bushes to light your ass up. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. Well, for starters, this wasn't my idea, and it was actually what the Mariners wanted to do last season to try to ease our two rookie pitchers into the situation. And so I'm not sure if that's going to be their plan this year because let's just look at the top seven pitchers as they stand. Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert, we all could say, are absolute mainstay studs. Knock on wood for injury. I will count on these guys going to battle every day of the week. And then we have Brian Wu, who had a really solid rookie campaign, but he only pitched 87 and two-thirds innings. So my question is, can he physically handle doubling his innings? I'm very, very bullish on him. I'm also very bullish on the other rookie from last year, Bryce Miller, who logged way more than Wu at 131-plus innings. And that's actually the exact amount George Kirby pitched his rookie year was 130. And then to year two, Kirby jumped all the way to 190. So I'm wondering if Bryce Miller is going to be able to at least make a 40 to 60 innings jump in year two. Then we have former number six overall pick Emerson Hancock, who pitched a decent 12 innings for us, but got hurt and went out for the year. And then we have Anthony Disco, who is a career fifth, sixth, seventh type of starter. I've seen on a lot of baseball websites saying that he will enter the season as our long reliever. So within the seven options, I'm not sure if Miller and Wu will be able to hold it down the way the top three dogs will. So maybe Disco and Hancock will come into the mix. What are your thoughts at all on a six-man rotation or anything else on these starters, Robert? Last week, we also signed Austin Voth. <clears throat> His stats, he pitched in 25 games, one and two win-loss record, uh, 5.19 ERA, uh, 34 innings pitch, 34 strikeouts, and a whip of 1.56. 
we are definitely going to need to weather the storm the come the first part of the season. We definitely need to make it through without any injuries to this pitching staff and see what type of longevity we're going to be able to get out of these kids the second go around. Um, they they played tremendous last season. I'll, I'll definitely give them that. Um, they came in asked to do a lot that wasn't going to be expected of them because we were thinking we were going to get Robbie Ray back eventually. Um, then he comes out and hurts himself in spring training. Um, I was excited to see what Marco would have been able to do for us, especially since I had learned to love him a little bit more than I probably did in seasons before because of his performances. And we we're just going to need to see if these kids are able to make the next step and avoid some of the sophomore slumps and see if they can carry us through. We're going to start the season three at home with Cleveland. We'll go to Milwaukee. Then we'll hit a road trip in Toronto. We'll have the Cubs, the Reds, the Rockies again, and then we're going to get right into it come the 23rd of April with that team in Dallas that just won the World Series. And then they're also going to close out April into May with the Braves. So we're going to get to see what they're about early in the year. We're going to get to see if they can come out and and dominate in the way that we need to because the way that I'm looking at this with the uncertainty and inconsistency that I see in our lineup, our pitching is going to be what's going to have to carry us through and carry us with the chance to keep this team close to make a run at it after the all-star break. What about you, E? Well, um, yeah, we've got to start off better. Who do we end with next year? If you've got that schedule out in front of you, who like last year, there was a ton of Rangers games in October. Talk to me. What's going on in October or September? I'm sorry. All right. So in September, we're going to start, uh, the first day of September, we'll be finishing up a series with the Angels. We'll have four against Oakland, three against St. Louis. Then we'll come home on the 10th of September. We'll have a two-game series with the Padres. We have the Rangers for four. We'll have a day off starting the 17th. We'll have the Yankees in for three. We'll go to Texas and Houston for six games. And then the last three games of the season is a home set against the A's. So not quite as bad as this year, huh? Not quite as bad, I guess. I don't know. We'll definitely see, uh, <laughs> you know, if we get to the middle part of September and Soto and Judge are smashing the hell out of the ball and the guys that they've signed for their pitches that are just out dominating it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting again. Um, I just, think it's a lot to try to forecast us going on another 13, 14, 15 game winning streak in the middle of the season to keep us close. We're going to have to play a lot better ball than what we did. I mean, the two years before our record in one run games was phenomenal. And then this year, you know, baseball, as you said, returned to the mean. So again, I just, I just think that our pitching staff is going to get taxed and they're going to get taxed early. And our long relief guys are going to have to fill some of that void to be able to get some of those guys, these young kids rest and just, mm, maybe we do need to make a move to see if what other type of arm we can get to add to that start, starting rotation. I was under the impression that not only Blake Snell, but that Marcus Stroman, that the Mariners were high on his list, and now Stroman's a Yankee. So just, uh, again, just missing the opportunity to strike while the iron's hot seems 
to be the same old song that we're going to sing and carry on into the 2024 season. But we still got a couple weeks before everybody returns. And I know that we made a deal uh, close to the start of the season in spring training last year. So fingers are crossed. All the all the hopes and the love in the world for my Mariners, but I do see a bottom of the barrel, third to fourth place finish for us this year. I I don't see it that bad. I I see it as, uh, to be honest with you guys and and ladies and gentlemen, I mean we're only a couple wins from being the Texas Rangers position or the Houston Astros position. It didn't get done. We were on fumes. We were gassed. That like you said, the pitching staff was gassed. Um, you know, we didn't get it done, but it wasn't that far apart either. Uh, when it, when it all comes said and done, I think we compete. I, I think we can come. God, if they just spend a little money, we could compete for the AL every year. Um, what the Dodgers have built. Ooh, that's a scary looking monster. we got to see what's going to happen with them. Uh, but you know, in the playoffs, they get, to destroy all the National League play uh, teams and and not ours. Hey, I want to talk about uh, we're talking Seattle Mariners news here. Um, oh, by the way, a six man rotation. I've I've heard it talked about uh, several times, and I know the Angels implemented it, but I've never seen it in action. Um, you know, I'm, I'd probably want to stay with the five, but uh, uh, you know that's. That's for people who are professionally paid to make those decisions. Let's move on to the uh, international draft here, uh, which is a pretty important thing uh, for us. We've had tons and tons of Dominican players. They've, they've served the Seattle Mariners absolutely wonderfully. And uh, we have, and I say Dominican because it's like 9 out of 10 of them anymore from the Dominican Republic, but... Uh, we have signed a 17-year-old international free agent out of Cuba. So there I go. Okay, quick time out here, my friend. So I think you're right there. You're referring to a young ball player who's already been in the system and has an extremely bright future. They're calling him the next Jordan. I hate getting into those sort of things because that's such lofty expectations. But our good friend Robert here tipped us off earlier today that the Mariners added two Dominican shortstops to the international pool. They had what five point two million dollars to sp- or six point five two million dollars to spend, and they spent three million on the number seven prospect Dalwell Joseph, and they spent a million on the number forty eight prospect Leandro Romero and. You guys want to feel old here. Joseph's 16 years old, and he's born in 2007. I feel like a grandpa right there. But he's already 6'2", 185. And Robert, when you told me this player comp, I fell in love right away. Yeah, man. When I was sitting here reading, and shout out to the source, uh, MLB.com, where I found the information from, they're actually comparing what he could grow into into Byron Buxton without the injury bug. And if we can add a talent like that to the roster that we have, and we all have been able to see what Buxton can do when he's healthy and actually in the Twins lineup. And, I mean, the show he put on in the All-Star game two years ago was just phenomenal to me. 
And it, it made me a fan of his. And if I was a Twins fan, I'd be banging my head against the wall because if he can consistently give you 152 outings, that that could help you change the balance of power in the AL in the AL Central. Um, to pull up some of the report here, uh, offensively, scouts have raved about his simple direct hitting mechanics and god knows we need hey can you just put the ball on the bat we definitely need some type of the players the teenage prospect has performed well in recent games drawing more walks and hitting for power a trend that could continue as he grows into his six foot two frame on the other side of the diamond joseph has made significant strides at shortstop not only does he project to stick at the position but scouts think he could even develop into an above average defender there what I'm looking at in my thoughts when I first read that were I, if we're not going to be able to go out and spend the money on a third baseman or be able to acquire one via trade, like a Rafael Devers or a Jose Ramirez, can we develop one of these guys that, you know, it seems like we have a bunch that we're deep in a bunch of guys who play the same position. Can we develop one of these guys into the third baseman that we need? and actually do what some of these other clubs do and develop the holes that they need instead of us just having an abundance of backup DHs and catchers and, you know, use them to try to fill some of these holes. And I know it's a lot to ask some of the guys that are in our farm system now to, hey, we need you major league ready by the time we get to the end of May. But if someone is showing strides like the way that Julio was and they showed it, their major league ready. Can we can we begin to groom that? Yeah, I mean, each year somebody's going to pop out that isn't necessarily clear to us. Um, uh, going to pop out in spring training, and sometimes they pop out in spring training, and we say, "Okay, join the team, son," and uh, then he gets annihilated uh, during major, real major league games. So we've seen that a couple times too. Um, you know, uh, young guys. They're always going to be fighting for a spot. We've got a couple of new um, uh, draft picks, not really draft picks, but signings. Uh, look for those players in the years to come. Uh, let's see. Oh, I wrote down that Ryan Divish was complaining about minus 45 degrees there uh, up on the high line in uh, Montana. That's a cold place, man. Have you, you guys been up there? Thankfully, no. It's called the High Line, and uh, that's where the Amtrak goes through there. And um, it's several hundred miles north of I-5, or uh, I'm sorry, I-90. Um, so it's a cold place. Um, I know everybody had some cold weather, even there in the uh, northwest, right, Tyler? Oh, absolutely. We got a pretty good dusting, and... What normally throws it off up here is when it melts during the day and freezes overnight. That's when it gets really sketchy up here. But I just want to touch on, we both kind of chuckled at what Robert said with this 16-year-old Dawell Joseph. But to me, it couldn't be more important in today's baseball with such a young player that has a simple simple swing these pitchers in today's era are so electric their stuff is so incredible that to have a crazy giant kind of out of control swing i don't think is gonna work especially coming up through the ranks and so 
that makes me really high on this Joseph, even though we all know that these are educated guest lottery tickets when you go and sign these sort of ball players. We look at Leandro Romero, who's 17. Seems like he's the same sort of profile, high upside, tons of bat speed, raw power, sprays it all over the field. But it definitely says in the scouting report he needs to simplify his swing and improve his plate discipline. And that could easily be the difference between Joseph and Romero. What, 41 spot difference? That can be the difference between topping out at double A or becoming a multimillionaire in the bigs. The one thing I always say about the plate discipline, you just want to see it develop with these fellows from the DR or any other Hispanic country. We've all heard the quotes before that you can't walk off the island and you got to hit your way off the island. And so some of these guys, when they're teenagers, they're just trying to show how extraordinary of a hitter they are. So we'll give that dude some time. And then one other thing on that is I know a lot of Mariners fans might have their hands in the air. Gosh, we already have three American shortstops that are top prospects in our system. Do we need more? You can always use more. For one, we know that every major league ball player, you know, when they're coming up in Little League and whatnot, they all played the premium positions and eventually get moved out from there as they hit the top levels of baseball. Some of these guys are going to switch positions, like I just said, and some of them flat out are not going to make it very far through the minor leagues. And so you can't have enough talented players at premium positions that you can move to different spots. And then if we add, you know, Joseph and Romero last season, we signed the second rated international prospect during this period last year, Felny and Celestin and the scouts call him a, maybe the highest ceiling of an international shortstop in the last 10 years. So there's going to be a ton of development. We probably won't see these guys for six years, maybe four or five, and that's on a Julio type of track. But I'm I'm pretty darn excited, Robert, about uh, these young men that we're trying to find, develop, and hopefully uplift their families' lives out of the Dominican. By my count, with the two Dominican signings, that's eight middle infielders. Eight, because we have Cole Young, Colt Emerson, Michael Arroyo was just labeled as an infielder on his profile, Flynn Sellison, Ty Pete, and then coming in at number 14, Ryan Bliss. And Ryan Bliss is in AAA, 24 years old. And he by far is the, is the oldest out of all of them. The rest of them are 18 and 19 years old and then two 16-year-olds. So the as we build and get move forward into future years, you know, it looks like we'll have a good shot to have some talent there if we can grow and develop it well. But I, for one, am not that type of fan who spends a lot of time watching the prospects as they come up because that's not what I'm invested in. What I'm invested in is the holy grail for the Mariners. I want us to get back to the AL Championship Series. I want us to have a lead. I want us to not choke in Yankee Stadium for two straight years, and maybe that's just me being the old man on the porch, but 
I'm not willing to wait until 2028 to get there. I'm, I want to get there now. I'm alive now. You know, I know most people have a five-year plan. I have a five-minute plan. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see it when I'm in my early 40s and be, while I'm in decent enough health that I can spend some unnecessary money to make some trips up to Seattle and scream my ass off and try to be in the stands while I will witness us move over to the next level. Um, oh man, I, I just don't want this feeling when we get to August that that window is closed, especially with as close as we've been over the last two seasons. E, what do you say, man? Well, I don't know. I guess we talked that uh, through about the best we can there. Let's take a look here. So we've got some new pitchers on here too, right? Uh, three new pitchers, Tyler? Yeah, and to be frank, I don't know the sort of impact that any of these guys are necessarily going to have on the team. All three of them are depth and or reclamation projects. And uh, Robert touched on Austin Voth already. And being that he got $1.25 million guaranteed, I guess they're really counting on him to be depth. He's actually a local guy, went to UW, and is from the suburb of Redmond, Washington. But at a 5.19 ERA and a 1.56 whip, Robert, you were you you listed that off for us. Is he even that good? Is the Mariners organization going to be able to wave their magic wand and develop this guy like they have other dudes? Because his track record says, I don't know if he's really a big leaguer. Then we look at they just signed Ty Buttray. I had to look that one up phonetically because it doesn't look like that. But on a minor league deal, he seems like a super reclamation project because he was decent in 19. He left baseball in 2021 and was in the minors and injured the last two seasons. But the third guy they signed on their reclamation train, I'm actually kind of high on. And that's this Joey Crable. They signed to a minor league deal this week at 31. He's a bullpen guy throwing right-handed. He was solid, very solid in 2022. He, was excellent in his whopping five innings pitch last year. So what happened is Baltimore just thought their bullpen was good enough. He got sent back down to AAA. But you look, and I think he's going to be a really consistent pitcher for us out of the pen because I look at his stats in 2022, he was 3.9 ERA in MLB. And in AAA last year, 3.89 so of the three guys even though he's got a way lesser contract than Voth I think he easily has the best chance of making the team and making a positive impact just because the track record's there but like I said if there's one thing this organization can do it's pull random bullpen pitchers out of their behind and they go to work and you know all of a sudden we have mother F and Jones huh Robert so hopefully Hopefully, at least one of these guys comes through, but I sure wouldn't count on it. We also signed David Pena, Anderson Jimenez, and Lesnar Orbe. Okay. These guys don't even have stats on MLB.com. So if there's anybody who's going to find a way to get 
chicken salad out of chicken shit with with their bill pay the way that they're doing it. It's going to be the Mariners, and you know we we got, we signed these three guys to minor league deals, and like I said, they don't even have stats on MLB.com. So other than my question of where the fuck did they find these guys at, is you know. But we, like you said, we can say the same thing with Seawall. When we got Seawall, it was like, oh, my God, what what did you guys do? And then three games into him out there with his crooked hat, too big for himself with his 92-mile-an-hour fastball, I was like, wait a minute, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> so, so, you know, let yeah, so let's definitely hope that, you know, we found some diamonds in the rough and, you know, we front office has taken enough of a beating from everybody around and, you know, I'll kind of back off on that and give give them a break for a little bit and, and just root for some of the decisions that they've made. But, you know, the it, it's going to be a very interesting two seasons as we move forward to what most of us were hoping to be a championship window. And now we're window shopping, hoping that <laughs> hoping that some of these bargain deals come out to be the best that they can for us. Like that grocery store I used we used to go to as a kid on occasion. You'd pick up a crayon as you walked in the door there, and you'd take your cart and you'd write on each piece of each thing you bought how much it cost with your crayon there. Um, low budget. That's where we're at. Uh, uh, nothing spectacular. Maybe the maybe the Mariners will uh, surprise us with a uh, maybe like a Cody Bellinger signing or something, but that's probably highly unlikely. I don't know if the other guys fit. Maybe they'll find a place for them to fit, but it seems like the rest of the guys are really defensively poor uh, as as the norm. I mean, you're talking about Solaire. You're talking about uh, Peterson. You're talking about, uh, uh, and I know there's another couple names out there, but uh, Hop- Hopkins can play first base, but um, everybody loves Ty France, so we're not going to move from there. Uh, by the way, I hope Ty. Yeah, I hope Ty France a uh, a good year. By the way, absolutely, and I hope he gets his act back together, um, or can not his act back together, but I hope he gets his bat back together and can become a productive Mariner again. Um, it's the off season, ladies and gentlemen. There's not a lot going on. I've been stepping and stumbling, stomping on my toes here tonight. Uh, but you see, there's a lot going on with the with the Major League Baseball team. Yes, these guys that are br- being brought in don't have Major League, but there's they're you know they're all foundation. They're all uh, part of the overall. Looking through every scrap of rock you got to find a little bit of gold. So, um, and every once in a while we find a, a spectacular player on the trash bin. Uh, and Seattle seems to have been able to do that. Um, seems to be able to to have done that with pitching. They've been heavy on uh, on position players for about three years now, just like they were on pitching. And uh, I hope that those guys come through. We kind of traded the first um, set for Castile, um, and they those are probably more uh, international signing guys. Um, so we should have some, but my understanding is what I'm hearing out there is that teams aren't, you know, there's an extra playoff spot now and, and teams are much more likely to be in the playoffs than, than it used to be even a couple years ago. Um, that makes them hold on to their assets longer. 
and see if they can win. Uh, and that may even carry. So the game is changing around us all the time. Um, position players, their crops is the way, I mean, they call it the farm. Um, and we don't, you know, it's just all in fun, but you got to plant your young kids. And that means put them through a development process and gradually ramp up their competition between each other. And, you know, you might, you might have this tulip bulb from the mightiest tulip bulb grower in the world, but that doesn't guarantee it's going to be a magnificent flower. Um, we know prospects are maybe top prospects are maybe 50%. That's top prospects. Um, so we'll see what happens. Not a whole lot going on, ladies and gentlemen, but there are behind the scenes stuff. Uh, we've seen Cal talking about um, how much he enjoyed Seattle. He's a Southern boy, uh, North Carolina, but he was out there uh, skating on the ice uh, that was still there from the uh, Winter Classic. And uh, he was at the Kraken game, that Winter Classic also, and was wearing, uh, I guess they call them sweaters, uh, was wearing a, a Kraken sweater, having a good time. It's good to see him part of, part of the Seattle scene. Uh, he was mentioning how he, he likes to go down and downtown and, and, you know, just Seattle being so different than other places he's been. Um, we had a, a interview from JK that um, kind of pointed some light, uh, kind of pointed some light out that uh, things aren't all hunky-dory with, with the Mariners situation, certainly not with him. We know it got off to a bad start. I mean, you just couldn't ruin a start more than what happened with him. Uh, but then he never really came through for us either. So um, there was some a lot of trying in between, um, but he has not been as impressed. Uh, Cal Raleigh has mentioned something. JP has, you know, there's some, not that they're mad or anything, but, it's like we need more to win. We need ownership to help us. So I've got a plan. Let's go get Bellinger. What do you guys think? You've been on Cody Bellinger for <laughs> months now. That is your guy. That is your motherfucker, Jones. It's Cody Bellinger. You know, I I would have been forward until all the news broke about the financial dires that we're in that we're in and I don't know if we can afford the dude. If what, what are we gonna sign him to? Or, and, and it's gonna be ass nine to sit and ask him to give us a club, a club friendly Otani deal and defer everything he's gonna have for the next four to five years. Because I wouldn't trust Stan either, because his credit card about to get declined. You know, uh, <laughs> he's definitely gonna be washing dishes at your local Applebee's if he don't get his shit together. Um, well, it ain't right, though. It ain't right that Seattle doesn't have any budget. We've watched our money, Tyler. We've watched our money, every dime of it. And uh, we've been careful with our spending. Why can't we have at least one decent free agent bat? They're too expensive. And as our friend Robert here eloquently started the show with, man, Sean Stanton's all about give me the loot. I'm a bad man, and that's exactly how he's treating it, you know. 
the fans aren't even secondary. We're so far down the list. The team is so far down the list. It really is frustrating. I still believe that this team can surprise people that might be overly optimistic. But like you said, Eric, we were only two games behind Texas. And do I think we're going to leapfrog Texas and Houston? Probably not. But you know what? Third place in our division could be good enough to make it into the playoffs. We just have to play well enough against the rest of the league. And Eric, you've been on the Cody Bellinger train as long as we can remember. He's officially your man crush. But there's a little validity to maybe not Cody Bellinger because he's going to be so expensive. But you sent us that interesting number earlier, Eric. And then I'm looking at 67% of this year's free agent class is still unsigned. So the closer we get to spring training, these guys are going to have to come back to earth, swallow swallow their pride, (coughs) excuse me, and take contracts that might not have been what they were looking for. But you know what? I'm raise your hand if you would be willing to pay play baseball for maybe 10 million a year instead of the 20 you were hoping for. I'm sure almost the entire world would say yes to that. So maybe there's a little bit of green grass on the other side of the fence, or am I just playing stupid here, Robert? Dude, contracts are nuts and not just baseball, but professional contracts are nuts to play a kid's game and to in two years make enough money to generationally change the trajectory of what your family's going to do for a lifetime is beyond me. But then I go back to basketball a couple of years ago, and your man Latrell Sprewell said that $28 million is insulting. How do you expect me to feed my family? Just I baby this money's not real. Money's not real. This is <laughs> this is this is ridiculous it's it's like when you were able to go out and build your own team on your own video game and just go get whoever you wanted and no such thing as having to worry about this that and the other just go out and sign who you want that's what the dodgers have turned this thing into and you know there's a lot of people who in our community on bleacher where uh, this podcast would birth out of are talking about how it's a fair and they're ruining baseball. And I'll go back to what Tyler just said. If someone called you and said, Hey, come on over, come on over here. We're going to give you $10 million. And you can go, <laughs> we're we going to write this thing out from April until October. You, you going, you going. And if it were, if it were ruining baseball, then baseball would stop it. But baseball ain't stopping it because there's money to be made here. They, they're making killings off these TV contracts. And what these owners have done over the last couple of years, which I believe is why the Braves pushed to move from a stadium that hosted the Olympics out to Cobb County was because so they can develop the infrastructure around it. So if you go to that particular stadium, a Truist Park down there in Atlanta, they have Comcast offices that you can see in the outfield every time there's an outfield shot. They have four to five different restaurants, a couple different bars, a couple different hotels. They're making money 365 days a year. They're not just making money off the 102 baseball game, 162 baseball games and the 81 home games that everybody gets. These guys have now found a way to make revenue off their assets 365 days a year. And it, 
the, the way that this money is just being spent around is just ridiculous. And yet we have a guy who should be up there while everybody else is throwing money out the window like it's got nothing. This guy doesn't even want to go out and get us a Burger King happy, a Burger King value meal and let me get a crown to wear with it. Like, how do you not put money back into your business? If the fans are the ones who are supporting your income for those 81 home games, how do you not give them something to be excited and cheer about and just keep all the money in your pocket? Uh, you know, I guess Costco must not be making as much money as it used to, or maybe he would look differently at it. But then you look at Cohen in New York, and I know everybody likes to harp on, well, the Padres spent all that money and they ain't got them nothing. Well, still, they, they at least were willing to get to the dance. And honestly, I don't think it was the Padres going out and spending money that was so bad as it was Tatis getting popped for steroids and not being part of their team for so long and just ruining their chemistry. You know, I, oh man, it's just, it's just real frustrating to see all the work that we put into and developed a good enough team to be X amount of pieces away and the front office just like, man, you know, we're just going to let it ride with what we got. Well, if you're going to beat that horse, I'm going to tell you that uh, I want to take a whack or two at it too. And I think we're, yeah, I think we're all disappointed in ownership. Ownership promised us they would spend if we'd be just kind enough to uh, to wait and bear with the team while they rebuild. We're going to take some of that money and spend it towards a World Series. We're going to spend some of that money towards acquiring players that can make a real difference. I mean, because nobody can grow a complete baseball team at the same time from a core group of players uh, when you consider that uh, the pitching staff's included. Um, so that's what we were promised. It hasn't happened. It's disappointing. I mean, be one thing not to say it and then do it. Um, so, yeah, listening to ownership gives me pause. Uh, is that Jerry's fault? No, but... I don't feel like I have as much information as I'd like to have about what the hell's going on with this team. Uh, with that said, we're going to try our best, and we're going to put together some players, and we still got a team here. And uh, baseball is not about how much you spend always, although it is about how much you spend sometimes. Um, so, you know, we'll see. There's always luck in baseball. There's always talent and skill that shines through that we don't expect and then there's always the the ones who uh, fall behind to think that we're going to get into the uh to the season here with a um well you know to to think we're going to go into the season with without any arm injuries is without any significant arm injuries to significant players you know I don't know what the odds are, but injuries happen there, and uh, we'll be short on pitching like everybody else is. Uh, but they'll have injuries to deal with, too. Um, I don't know, guys. Was there anything else you guys wanted to add about the Mariners this week? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know how I get down. But I just have a quick question for Robert. Um, does Stanton have like a major stake in Costco shares or something like that. Around 2016, he joined the board of Costco 
As of August 2016, Stanton was reported to own approximately $45 million of stock holdings of Columbia Sportswear, General Communications, and other companies. Mm, he's still a member of the Trilogy International Partners with Teresa Gillespie and Brad Horowitz. It trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, so just those two little tidbits of information let me know that this dude got some dough. Uh, he was on Microsoft's board of directors in July 2014. He had executive roles in a old school. Well, I, I remember Voice Stream. Voice Stream then turned into this thing called T-Mobile. And T-Mobile's on the side of the baseball park. That's the baseball team that he plays on the side of. So, you know, uh, I, I, I think this dude's got a couple chips. Fair enough. You just mentioned Costco and if he's trying, anyone trying to cry poor on that, they're full of shit. I promise you that because I invested a little bit of money in Costco a few years ago and they're literally up over a hundred percent in a few years. So if anyone's trying to cry poor about Costco, I'm going to come at you, man. Cause the, one of the few good decisions I made in my life was that one. God bless the pandemic, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that and your wife, right? <laughs> So there's two more uh, topics I want to touch on, guys. Yeah, she chose yeah, him. She chose him. Well, <laughs> that's the way it works, anyhow. They got there. They're a step ahead of you. That's for sure, uh, ladies, ladies. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention that uh, the numbers we were talking to about there were presented by Crazy Baseball Girl, and uh, she's on uh, Bleacher Report quite often. Always has some great information for us, and uh, I'll repeat that. Talk about slow. Of the 169 free agents to start the year, 113 remain unsigned. Uh, the top 50, 20 are still available. We know it's a weak class. Um, I'm going to go Charles Barkley on it. There's a, there's a lot of those dudes are available because some of them dudes are straight frauds. And some, some, sometimes that juice is not worth the squeeze. You know, uh, so it, sometimes it, it just isn't. Like, which Coley Bellinger are you getting? Are we getting the one who shows strides that he's an actual baseball player who won an MVP and, and was a part of the Dodgers rebuild? Or are we getting the guy who, when we put him on in the playoffs, everybody figured out, oh, we know how to get this dude out, throw him a curveball, he can't hit it. <laughs> you know, I, it's, oh, man, it's just so hit and miss, so hit and miss. Yeah, and we can't tell the future. I mean, we just can't. Um, and it's a problem in all the sports, um, injuries and not obviously in the NFL, Tyler, as you know, not everything's guaranteed money like in baseball, but, uh, um, you know, you, you've got, you've got a pitcher, Iwakuma, who has never been anything but average to below average and the guys made probably 70 million dollars maybe close to a hundred million dollars in his career just in america folks so i'll tell you something you know what, a stigma that and i know it doesn't affect us because we haven't made any of the big plays after those guys but to hear some of the people talk about um the money that the japanese pitchers have gotten and they haven't faced major league pitching i I laugh when I hear that because did you not watch any of the world baseball classic? Dip dudes was out there dominating. And there's a reason why they're 
attracting that amount of money because in the pond league or, or however you properly say it, that's a legit baseball league. There are guys who leave here and go over there who can't do shit. They don't ever see the field, but some of them dudes are legit. So you mean to tell me that, you know, the success that Shohei had over there was because he was facing a bunch of plumbers in, and part-time electricians? Nah, he, there's a reason he came over here a, able to do that because he has seen that stuff before. It, it, those skills translate over there. So don't give me that crap about, oh, they're not ready. It's major League, shut up. <laughs> you, tell, you, tell they've never, you can tell the guys who make that comment have never played baseball the day before in their life. Well, and, so, and, and also get, getting back to it is some come in and do spectacular everything you could ever hope for. And then you've got, you know, you've got a guy like Iwakuma that he never lived up to his contract to me, did he, with the Mariners, Tyler? I mean, it's just a performance. Uh, he made the all-star team. You take a coochie. He's, yeah. Made, made the all-star team. That's who I meant. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, fair enough. No worries. Iwakuma was, I always considered it, considered him Robin and Felix Hernandez was Batman as an excellent one-two punch. And with Yusei Kikuchi, you know, kind of alluding to what Robert was saying, stuff was never the question. His stuff was fantastic. It was easily better than Iwakuma if we matched him up. But the confidence to deliver strikes at the major league level is one thing you don't really know until you're there. And I don't know if it's command control or confidence necessarily, but to me for him, it was confidence because he was such a nibbler at some point you got to trust your stuff and go after a guy. But man, these Japanese pitchers though, they, they, they're bringing some filth over here without question. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, just goes to prove that we can't throw them all in. We can't throw those players all in one box. There's some that will be successful and there's some that won't. There's some that will surprise and some that will disappoint. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, they're, I think those, the, the cream of the crop is just like spectacular. Um, and the Dodgers really worked us on that. Uh, let's talk football. Tyler, tell me about the NFL. Uh, we've got some playoff games this week. Well, what are we down to the final four, fellas? We have the heartbreaker for the Buffalo Bills. I can't believe they kicked it away again against Kansas City. But Kansas City going to Baltimore, that is absolute must-see TV. Detroit going to San Francisco might not be as sexy, but I would consider it must-see TV as well. I will definitely be rooting for the Lions. From Seattle's perspective, we're 49ers haters. They have won a ton throughout that franchise's history. We know how inept Detroit is. Seattle Mariners fans can easily relate to the lack of playoff appearances and playoff success. So it's going to be an exciting weekend next weekend. I can't wait for it. Do you have any thoughts here, Robert? I watched the Green Bay 49er game. And as Green Bay is going down the field with the chance to expand the lead, and then the rookie kicker misses the kick to the left. 
the very first thing out of my mouth was, this is rigged. Everybody was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, we already know exactly what's about to happen. San Francisco's about to go right down the field and score on them. And lo and behold, Green Bay couldn't tackle anybody. It's like they put on Philadelphia Eagle jerseys and forgot how to play defense out there just bumping guys thinking that that was going to be enough to get the monsters that they have on offense on the ground. No scheme whatsoever. Abandon being able to put pressure on Purdy. Just, oh, well, we're just going to let them march down the field and see what happens. San Francisco is in the final four. I watched this Kansas City game. Do with a chance to tie it. And it just brought back. I'm old enough to remember the four trips that the consecutive trips that the Bills made to the Super Bowl. And I'm old enough to remember the name Scott Norwood. And if there's anybody listening who remembers that too, that guy was public enemy number one because he had one job, kick the ball straight, get it in the upright. We win a ship and couldn't do it to save his life. Then I'm also a Florida State fan. White right and Florida State, we're, we're one and the same, baby. We can't have one without the other unless you're softer in love. Just, we one and the same. And just to, to see him pull his head up so early. And I'm not even a professional kicker, but I know if you don't, just like with baseball, if you don't follow through that thing, it's going to tell on you. And as soon as he pulled his head up to watch the kick, it was like he didn't get enough of it. And that went just and. I'm a Philadelphia Eagle fan that we, uh, you know, we talk about it almost every week here. This year, Chiefs fans and San Francisco fans have been unbearable to deal with. Not all of them. But if, you, if you're if you on Bleacher, you know the trolls, they are unbearable to deal with. And now I got to sit through another seven days hoping that Baltimore and Detroit can rid me of this pain in my life so then I can move forward to the next pain in my life to see if the Suns are going to make a run of this thing and how much I'm going to cuss out the Mariners from now until the end of September. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we might just be scratching the surface on the Mariners, um, how upset we are. It's it's not upset necessarily. I think it's just disappointed. Well, it's upset too. Um Detroit's kind of the Cinderella story this year, wouldn't you guys agree? We've got Eminem. Uh, he's losing his his mind. He's super excited. Yeah, a lot of good music comes out of Detroit, um, and uh, we I just see them as a Cinderella this year, at least for the NFC. Uh, what do you say, Tyler? Absolutely, especially if you look at it from the view of the entire franchise. But there is a lot of football fans that were very bullish on Detroit coming into the season. Dan Campbell is an absolute leader. Their offensive coordinator, myself and our great producer, Indy, are both really high on for possibly being the Seahawks' next head coach because I'm in love with their offensive balance when you're top five rushing and top five in passing. That is an absolute beast to deal with. They have made great draft picks their last several drafts, and that's the key to success in the NFL. You can only afford to pay a handful of high-priced players, so you have to find excellent studs on rookie contracts. 
but they're just really easy to cheer for. And I can't emphasize this enough as a Mariners fan, we can absolutely relate to decades of futility and how fun and how much joy you get from seeing an inept franchise try to climb up to the mountaintop. So I am all in Detroit. Go into San Francisco and kick some ass. I know I'm a homer, Robert, but that's what it is. Yeah, a little bit, but it's okay. If I live, if I lived in a community where I had teams <laughs> in my backyard, I could cheer for. I'd probably be the exact same way. Um, but that's what happens, man. We just get blinded by our fandom sometimes. But you know, I don't hold it against you too much. I don't hold it against you too much. Um, you know, it, it's gonna. <laughs> what I liked, I was talking to a friend of mine today who's been a lifelong Detroit fan, and I mean suffering through losing Barry Sanders and not having a playoff footprint in his lifetime and the 0-16 season and, you know, talked about just what a huge lift that Dan Campbell has been to that organization. And I told him, too, that in one of the very rare instances in a sports transaction, do you find a situation where you could look at it and say both teams won that trade? And I absolutely feel the way about that Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade. Both teams won. The Rams needed something that Goff couldn't provide them, and they get Stafford, and Stafford wins them a title. Detroit gets Goff, who now is going to come in with something to prove, and a boatload of picks. And if you look at that team, eight impact players all came from the picks that they got from trading Stafford. And then now look at the position Detroit is in, in that same three-year window. And now Goff is playing with something to prove because he does need to get back to that Super Bowl to make up for that horrible performance against the Patriots. And what the city of Detroit now means to him, it's it's as even as a trade as you can get, in my opinion. And I think that both teams want it. Um, I would love to see Detroit be able to pull off this upset and go for it. But San Francisco's offense is just a juggernaut. And you saw today that Baker Mayfield at times was able to pick that Lions defense apart. Just, you know, he makes Baker Mayfield decisions and they don't, they don't, they don't trust him the way that he should. So we'll definitely see what Detroit is made of when they get there. But the one that I got all, all my hopes, all my eggs in the basket is I need MVP L freaky Lamar Jackson to just tear Kansas city apart. Cause I'm absolutely tired of seeing Patrick Mahomes all over my TV on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, that was going to be my next question is, uh, we've talked about the underdog, uh, who's and it's probably from the AFC. Let's just say who are we picking out of the AFC. Ravens, absolutely for me. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens. Now, I don't, I don't want to give Mahomes, not give Mahomes his props. I mean, what about what about what about Taylor Swift? I'm still thinking that that's this is just a marketing ploy that the NFL and her record label have together, and Travis Kelsey will be, will be back to being a you know a sidekick to his brother here in a couple months. But I'm tired of seeing her, too. So to get her off my TV, let's go Ravens. And it looks like the Ravens have a tough team. I, I've watched uh, about three games. It's not 
uh, it's not super exciting football, but they just grind you down, and pretty soon it's the third quarter, and they're just take off away from you. At least they did that to Seahawks, it uh, seems like, and it's just a really tough team. I think that I think that they'll probably win at home too. Um, what other football stuff you got for us, guys? I'm just gonna say that not only am I cheering for the Ravens at this point, or the the Ravens or the Lions would be the two teams that I would want to win the Super Bowl out of the final four right now. But I really do think the Ravens are going to be able to take it to the Chiefs. They're so physical. They're at home. And Lamar has improved so much as a passer the last couple of seasons. So now that he is able to be a lethal player, in the traditional drop back passing game, then you add in the magic that he creates when he's running with the football. That is an absolute monster to deal with. They embarrass the Seahawks. I know most teams embarrass the Seahawks defense this year, but that aside, when you add that to guys like Zay flowers is it been a star rookie for them. Odell Beckham jr. And of course it's, you always got to look in the trenches and they're going to come in and they're going to kick your ass, Robert. And I really think they're going to take it to Kansas city this week. Fail loves ratings and they kind of like to be predictable and they need a, they need a new face and it's going to be really hard for them to uh, upset. Look at old Patty Mahomes. It's, it's going to take a, it's going to take effort from them. And I'm not really sure if they're uh, quite ready to give Baltimore something to cheer about. Because Baltimore ain't had nothing to cheer about ever since the wire went off the air. So we'll we'll definitely see how it goes. I'll be I'll be locked into my TV on next Sunday, wherever I'm at in the country, uh, cheer, cheering for a a Ravens, uh, <laughs> Baltimore, Detroit. I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have two more ghetto teams in the world. And ready to go for it, but yeah, I'm going. I'm going Baltimore, <laughs> Detroit, and it, it, it's going to be sad because if, if it's Baltimore, Detroit, whoever loses, somebody's getting shot. So, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That'll that'll be our. I think we could. Uh, do we think? that Detroit has a chance against San Francisco. I guess you've already addressed that, Robert. You don't you're not sure about that. San Francisco's offense is very creative and a lot of movement and they do a great job of getting their playmakers into open space. It's something that I wished my Philadelphia Eagles did a better job of. Um but if there's something I know about Kyle Shanahan, it's his ability to choke with the lights are the brightest. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for is that he chokes two weeks early and we don't have to wait for the Super Bowl for the demise. Um and really it's just it's just the it's just the trolls in the bleacher community that have made me feel the way that I do about San Francisco. And yes, they beat the Eagles down bad, but that's not what broke us. The our I, the inner workings of our inability to be able to do more than have a seven play playbook is what broke us. Our inability to be able to adapt to change on the fly is what broke us. Um, 
going from a Super Bowl team with two extreme coordinators who were able to disguise our faults in losing them is what broke us. But San Francisco fans are just loud. And I'd like to be the first to remind them that since 94, they've done the equivalent of what we call jack shit in the streets. So so they should shut the hell up and focus on trying to get it done this year because I might be the first troll to go in there dressed up in in that San Francisco uh, Bleacher Community Report and remind them that uh, since Steve Young, uh, you have just as many championships as the Cowboys do. I got to take that back. The Cowboys got one. The Cowboys, 49ers last one. The Cowboys at least have one. And the NFC East is, to my recollection, is the only uh, one of the only conferences that all four teams have Super Bowls in now. <laughs> Tyler was, now that uh, Robert, he likes to talk about his Eagles, and then I'll have you know that that was all Eagles talk there. What about the Seahawks? You've seen a couple weeks off here now. Uh, things have cooled off from Pete Carroll. Uh, what do you, what do you see with them? Well, they're doing their due diligence right now. They have interviewed several candidates. They have several of those candidates lined up for second interviews right now. If they go the route of a more proven head coach, like say a Mike Vrabel type, then that we might see the decision pretty quickly, but Two of their number one targets is the Baltimore D coordinator and the Detroit offensive coordinator. And so basically they're not going to be able to hire either, either of those guys till those teams seasons end. So there's a realistic chance that we don't see the Seahawks with a new head coach for another few weeks here. So we'll definitely be sitting by waiting on standby, hoping to, find out like i said our wonderful producer indy and myself are both big ben johnson guys the offensive coordinator from detroit their offensive balance is awesome they have resurrected jared goff's career who i believe is a good quarterback with limitations so that's where the coaching comes in big time my only question is, is is he going to be a leader of men? There is tons of guys that are great number twos in command in the NFL and college football. They're great with the X's and O's, but are they a leader of men? So that's the one question about that, but we'll, we'll see. And then also, Eric, you'll be very interested because you've had your trials and tribulations watching Geno Smith play. Five days after the Super Bowl will trigger a giant guarantee for the upcoming season. So we will know five days after the Super Bowl everything we need to know about their plans with Geno because that will lock in, a, I want to say, like $25 plus million. So if they don't cut him by that time, you know he's going to be rocking with the team next year. I just would like to see a way for you guys to end this streak of the Rams and the 49ers. Um, I don't care how you get it done by hook or by crook to uh, quote the great Malcolm X by any means necessary. I don't care if you guys got to rob somebody, just get this thing done and get them off the TV. There needs to be parody in the, 
AFC West. I mean, the NFC West. And uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely think that you guys are ha- have the pieces to be able to do it. I like DK Metcalf. I like Jackson Smith and Jibba, even though he went to Ohio State. Um, well, you still got you still got a little bit left out of Lockett. Um, Devin Witherspoon has shown himself to be a great young defensive player. Um, you guys got some pieces in place. Hopefully, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Paul Allen does what she needs to do, open up the book, let you guys go get what you need done, and compete with the 49ers and the Rams. And I've often compared a uh, um, the the offensive line to a uh, starting pitching staff. Is a line created to grow into something much better here in the near future if health happens? Tyler, haven't we invested some draft picks in our offensive line? Yes, absolutely. Do we expect a lot from them? The line, the line was much better last year. It's that simple. The line was much better last year than this year. Part of it was because of injury. Part of it was because of scheme. Part of it was our center from last year was pretty decent and he retired. We will get into this more probably in April, I would guess, when the draft comes close, Eric. But I've been just kind of, you know, looking on my cell phone at the top prospects list, and you can never go wrong with having a good offensive line. And the way the draft falls this year, you never know what positions are going to be more plentiful than others. But at pick number 16, there could be a stud difference making offensive linemen at that spot. And there's a good chance the quarterbacks that I would want to draft in the first round will all be gone by 16. And if that's the case, I would absolutely fortify the line and move forward. Robert, I know your Philadelphia Eagles aren't perfect, but I've always respected that they truly care about the trenches and fortify their lines. And I feel that's why they're a pretty consistent team. Even some of the old school players talked about how even when the Eagles have down years, that that's still a hard team to play against because we're still going to come out and be violent and try to win the battle of the trenches. Um, We have players like Brian Dawkins who are just coming looking for your head, whether we were four and 12 or 12 and four. Um, And just how this team just lost the fire. And I'm shocked as an Eagle fan to look down at my phone and see that only Sean Desai was fired and he was fired today um, during the playoff games tonight. And he was demoted during the season from Matt Patricia. Um, I got friends who are Lions fans who will tell you that Matt Patricia is a cancer. Um, I found it funny that the day that Matt Patricia gets announced that he's our new OC, all of a sudden Darius Slay decides that's when he's going to go have surgery because they had beef when they were in Detroit. We need drastic change on the defensive side of the ball. And if we're going to run it back with the same offense, then God help us because our offense is very vanilla. It's that I don't know how old everybody in our listening base is, but Tech Mobile has more offensive plays than the Philadelphia Eagles do. 
<laughs> and, and and we don't have the secret Bo Jackson play where you can run him out the screen, throw the ball down the field, and magically he catches it on the one every time and runs in the end zone. It was the original hack right there is the one that uh, RG just described. That's the first <laughs> hack in the world. Well, I don't know if it was that one or Contra. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. It's been a long time, but uh, we remember them all. <laughs> Finish up there, Robert. Oh man, just it's going. Just just enjoy it, whether your fan base is in it or not. Just be able to enjoy it. We have three football games left before we have to watch uh, the NBA players not give a damn about their product until the end of March. Um, if you're a college basketball fan, uh, like I am, my college team happens to be playing really well right now, and hopefully, uh, with the two wins that we had over ranked teams in the last eight days that gets us in the rankings and be ready for March Madness. It's a good time for it. And once March Madness wraps up, the reason why this podcast was put together and the reason why we follow each other on Bleacher is the Mariners, baby. The Mariners, 2024. Whether we love what the front office have done or not, it's our job to help will those guys through the hard times and the bad times. And, you know, we'll support the squad that's put out there. And like I said last week, if, if there's some men in that locker room, they're going to all look each other in the face and tell them, hey, half the fan base is upset that we're all here together. They don't think that we have enough. They, The, the front office obviously didn't want to invest in us, so what better way to go out and prove everybody wrong but to come out here and just dominate this year. And hopefully that's what we get from them. Yeah, let's hope for that. Um, offensive line and then a Marshawn Lynch would – really make Gino's life a little more luxurious, I would think. Um, not that that can all happen in a year. But let's hope that these young men that they've uh, recently drafted for the line uh, are much more mature and uh, more successful injury-wise. And uh, I think that would really help. On the defensive side, I'll let you guys worry about that right now. Uh, I think we've got some good good pieces there. Uh, and just hope for a good draft. Anything else you wanted to add on the football side of things, Tyler? Just get ready, like Robert said. If you're a football fan in general, I had a fantastic time watching what I could this weekend. Whether my team's in it or not, you can usually expect extremely high-level football with incredible competitiveness, and it's just a blast. Yeah, those guys get paid money, too, for winning those games. Um, so, you know, 50000 here, hundred and a half and a half there, 400000 here. Um, it's a good deal. Uh, RG, is there anything else you wanted to add today? You know, as we get ready to uh, move forward through 2024 and as the election season is getting ready to spice up uh, use sports as a distraction from some of the craziness, that's about to come out over your TVs. But also keep in mind, too, that there's nothing more important in this world than the people that are in it. And United will stand and divided will fall. Uh, I'll, I'll end on this note uh, to go back to the same man that I used to open up the podcast with. Uh, only make moves if your heart's in it and live the phrase, sky's the limit. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's, that's the parting words uh, for this episode. We've covered uh, Mariners baseball. We've covered the NFL playoffs. 
and it won't be long to uh, next week end will be the uh, uh, NFC Championship and AFC Championship. A couple weeks from then will be uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're back to talk of Mariners baseball because the middle of the February, um, or maybe it's earlier than that, uh, but February is definitely a, a, um, a starting time for baseball, and there'll be a lot going on right now. Uh, hopefully by next year we'll have some passes and uh, go down and spend some time uh, with the players and stuff like that. I've had a great time, guys. I appreciate uh, all the insight I got tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, uh, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're trying to put this for together for you. Every week we've got uh, Indy in Nashville, Tennessee. He does all the, the cooking and, and making sure the tape comes out sounding great and posting it up there for us. We appreciate that, Indy. Get better soon, buddy. And uh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, RG. I really appreciate your time tonight. Mm -hmm.